Welcome to High Performance Gym, the personal and business development podcast for health coaches and personal trainers. My name is Key Witherspoon, former personal trainer and gym owner turned high performance coach and lifestyle entrepreneur. My mission is to help coaches develop their entrepreneurial qualities and the business to create a freedom-focused lifestyle. I believe we all have a uniqueness that we need to unleash to achieve this, and this is your genius. Each week, I'll be bringing you an inspiring person or message to help you perform at a higher level so you can become a confident and resilient coach to build the business of your dreams. So thanks for tuning in today, and I hope you enjoy the show. So welcome to the High Performance Gym. So if you're listening today, um, I'm joined with um, Steve Sharp. Steve is, well, Steve Steve has got a really good story, and Steve has got an amazing journey that he's going to share with us now. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to actually let Steve jump in. Um, <clears throat> and actually, before we do this, I do need to apologize. I've had COVID the last few days. A uh, few weeks ago, I had COVID, and I'm still coughing my guts up. So if I do cough, I do go for a drink. I'm not being ignorant. It's just, it's still irritating us. Yeah, how you got your taste and your smell back yet? I didn't actually lose my taste, oh, which I'm yeah. so pleased about because that was my biggest worry because I love food. Yeah. To lose my, my taste would have been horrendous. I had a bit of a bad smell. Um, yeah. I could It was like I could smell the virus. It was really weird. I've never had anything like it in my life. Like when I, when I was like, sniffing in, breathing in, it was just this awful, like deathly smell. It was horrible. That's gone though. I'm pretty pleased about that. Yes. So Steve, you can just give us a little bit of an introduction to who you are. Yeah, so I'm Steve Sharp. Uh, I am the owner of Unique Fitness Northeast, which is behind us here. Um, I've run Unique Fitness Northeast officially. I got the keys in November 2014. I officially opened it in March 2015. And we've, uh, we've been going ever since. Um, pretty lucky to come through the last year. Um, it's tough on all gyms, as you can imagine. Um, so yeah, I've been here about six years now. Um, going pretty well. Um, we're made up of amateur sports clubs, so we're not just a typical sort of gym. We're made up of uh, North Tyneside Barbells, which is a weightlifting club, powerlifting, Olympic style lifting uh, as sports, not just recreational. Uh, Tyneside Boxing Club, so for amateur boxing. And we also sponsor and help out uh, the local football club, which is Milton Key Saints, um, just across the road there. Um, so, yeah, we house a lot of specialist coaches, a lot of clubs. And we've kind of took on the role of just helping manage these clubs, let the coaches essentially be coaches and stop worrying about the governance and the, you know, the constitutions and the methods and all the funding and things that go with running an amateur sports club. And so it's going pretty well for a while at the minute. Um, on that front, we've got kids coming in from as young as six, trying the sports all the way up to masters ages 35 plus so it's uh going all right in the sporting front nice gym wise um pretty much you know what we're doing it's what it says in the tin with the gym we're no, we're no different than any other gym really we do a little bit of this a little bit of that you know strength training um we're delving a little bit of crossfit although we don't like to call it crossfit as most what, as what most do you call it we call it functional fitness functional fitness just because we don't want to pay Massive crossfit fees, but you know, <laughs> yeah, of course, it's uh, it's one of them. I mean, to be fair, what crossfit is it's just like a label on everything else, isn't it? it? Likes to take a little bit of everything else, all the other modalities in there, call it something fancy, and then claim it. I'm actually interested in right because 
I'm not against CrossFit. I think the concepts of CrossFit are really good. Like, I, I like how they can mix it up and build strength work and these type of things. There's things I would change in it if it was me doing it personally. But from somebody like yourself, who is a big advocate for weightlifting, what is your, what is your, probably the one I'm going to go with this, what is your kind of, what is your thoughts around putting Olympic lifting into a more conditioning based setup? I think it's done wonders for weightlifting, to be fair. Like the amount of CrossFitters who are now sort of go to weightlifting coaches and go to weightlifting clubs to improve their weightlifting for CrossFit is sent weightlifting right into the mainstream. You know what I mean? It's skyrocketed the sport in this country anyways. Um, so yeah, I'm pretty happy that CrossFit's done that. Um, as far as the programming goes, it's, it all depends on the individual in the gym, doesn't it? Some gyms are getting it right, some gyms are getting it wrong. Um, it's all down the program and if it's done correctly then it's really valuable way of training i do all olympic weightlifting with all of our boxers and pretty much any sportsman you know any any sport with a triple extension involved weightlifting is going to benefit so we use it quite a lot to what degree we teach them again depends on their need for it i'm not going to teach a box at a full snatch but will i teach him to power clean probably yeah you know so it's a uh, it's one of them, but I think CrossFit overall is just, it's brought weightlifting into the limelight a little bit, so I'm, I'm pretty pleased with that. It got, it got a lot of, it got a lot of stick, didn't it? Because there was a lot of people doing the Olympic lifts, but they were doing them with the horrible technique. And I think that is so great what you just touched on there, that actually bringing coaches into it to improve their technique, which obviously gives them exposure. I mean, CrossFit's probably the biggest exposed sort of modality or what, what you know, in the world, isn't it? Moving away from weightlifting, anyways, they seem to be doing all the CrossFit, uh, the strongman stuff now. I was watching the other day carrying like big soft uh, Husserfell stones or sandbags or whatever. So they start to play with strongman stuff now. So they're leaving weightlifting alone a little bit. <laughs> but I mean, I've been watching, I've been watching all the um, all the weightlifting on the Olympics. I've literally just watched the super heavies there, um, and then I watched the snatch session at the CrossFit Games last was it last week Saturday, Friday, Saturday. Um, and some pretty good athletes popping up weights that would qualify them at national level you know what i mean um tia Toomey or whatever she's called she competed for australia at the commonwealth games um so you know it plays a massive part in the sport um if we're calling cross for the sport um but it plays a massive part of it you know i think it, it just it just comes down as, as long as they have a good coach and teacher isn't it it's like anything you know if you've got a bad football coach then your chances are you're not going to get very good at football you're probably going to get injured if you've got a good football coach then you're going to progress isn't it and i suppose weightlifting is, weightlifting is definitely the same but it's very technical isn't it oh massively I'm, I, i've always said to all my weightlifters good weightlifters will make great crossfitters good gymnasts like even an average gymnast will make a great crossfitter because they've got that background behind them um so if you focus because you know you can build an engine pretty quickly. It's not going to take you long to sort of get used to the adapter, the air bike or row machine or running and things like that. But it takes years and years to build strength and technique in a sport as technical as weightlifting um, or gymnastics, you know. So you can get those boxed up early on. You're going to walk into a CrossFit gym and be in a pretty good stead, you know. I, mean? so I love it. Like, I love your business model, how you, and I didn't realize this is what actually you've done until you'd sent me over your bio. But you actually, you because you just said before, you combine these other sports into your facility, don't you? And yeah. I think it's a really unique, obviously unique fitness, but it's a unique way of actually, where you're helping the community, but you, you're building this business with a totally different business model. Yeah, so um, a lot of our coaches, so, you know, the clubs 
generally don't make a lot of money. There's, you know, a lot of people do boxing, but it's not really a rich man's sport. So the subs are pennies. Weightlifting, you know, it's, it seems to be moving. You know, it seems to be getting more expensive to compete in weightlifting. However, you know, it's not as popular. So the, the money just isn't there funding-wise. So the way we run it is we don't really charge the clubs a lot to use our facilities, but what they do, you know, is they work within the gym and deliver specialist classes. So our weightlifting coaches... Yeah, they may volunteer to coach weightlifting, but then they'll teach classes for the gym and specialist managers. They'll deliver foundational courses in weightlifting. They'll teach the weightlifting elements of the um, functional fitness classes or the strength and conditioning classes. The boxing coaches will then deliver like a women's only recreation boxing or like a boxer size class. So it works in everybody's favor. You know, they're getting space to do whatever they want, run an amateur club, but then they hand them back to us by delivering specialist classes that I necessarily won't be able to teach or you know, my generalized fitness coaches won't be able to teach, so it's uh, works for everyone, really. And, and I suppose, like, for your members coming in as well, like if you're bringing members in, like, say the gen, the average Joe, they're coming in and, and they've got they've got a choice then, haven't they? So they can they could probably go in your gym, but then obviously they see the weightlifting, they see the boxing, and it's it opens up more opportunities for them as well, I would imagine. It's a nice buzz on club nights, so we'll have kind of like nights where it's mainly just sort of gym-based classes and then it's we'll have nights where it's mainly like the clubs come in operate um there's a nice buzz on club nights when the boxing lads are in and the weightlifting lot are in and you know it's uh it's quite a good buzz in the gym it's nice to see and like you say people come in and see all these different things happening and they might come in for one reason they may come in and start boxing and then they'll add a, you know one session of strength training in a week and then they'll just start shifting over and they'll come away from boxing and start weightlifting and they just sort of circulate in the gym so it's uh it's good for retention as well. You know, we very rarely lose people. We just sort of switch modalities, if you will. That, that's an amazing kind of way to keep people, definitely, because I suppose, well, I, I know for myself, from having my gym, it's, it's, you've got to keep that attention for people, don't you? You've got to keep it interesting, yeah. you know, especially in a gym environment, because you, you want people long-term. You don't want just to have somebody for eight weeks and then them disappear. You want people in your business long-term, don't you? So okay. touching on, because it's, it's, a, it's still a big big subject at the minute and you mentioned it before about covid um like if i mean if you don't mind talking about this how did it did it impact your business at all i imagine it probably did because i mean there's loads of gyms they closed and it's so sad to see that and hopefully that will change now now we're kind of open back up but what was the impact for you guys i think you know any any gym owner will be lying if they say it hasn't affected them in some way um you know, for us, it was, we've got, we, we're quite established, you know, having been around for six years and we've got quite a, a big, solid membership base. So we managed to convert a lot of those guys online. Um, at the time, we were busy working on the website, trying to, you know, bring the bring our website into the modern era because it kind of, it did a job, it advertised, but it didn't really do anything. It didn't sell anything. It didn't sort of, it wasn't very interactive. So I worked on this website in order to be a bit more interactive and a bit more automated for it. Um, and I remember two or three weeks you know, when you, I started noticing the news starting to go a little bit south and there was talk about these lockdowns. I remember ringing the website developer and saying, right, we need a members area yesterday. Um, you know, what can we do? Even if it's just some sort of private blog page where I post videos or links to, I don't care what it is, but we need something. And, you know, the guy pulled out the bag he came up with this private members area and essentially what we did was for any member that maintained the membership, we got access to it and we were just uploading videos each day, each week, 
doing live sessions um, via the, the streams in the gym. And, you know, I think pretty much 90% of the members stayed or just froze the membership or went to like a, a discounted rate. So we, we retained quite a lot. Um, it was good fun shooting all the videos. The, the gym essentially turned into a film studio where I had cameras and lights set up and that. And it was, uh, it was pretty cool for a while. It got boring after a while for the coaches. Um, but what I was most worried about was the, the coaches. You know, some of them only did it part-time and worked in like hospitality or leisure. So they lost out on both fronts. Some of them were working in pubs as well as working in the gym. And everyone seemed to lose out. So it gave me an opportunity to keep coaches working by offering them virtual classes and things like that. Um, and it really made me look into the, the virtual world. Um, so we took on things like uh, Boxmate, which had great virtual features. It means the members could sort of see the workouts from home or from the phones. Um, my zone stuff that we have going in the gym um, did like a, a what's the word almost like a distance version where we could have it on in the gym and we could see everybody at home's heart rates and things like that so as long as they had that app in the belt so it, it made we really sort of streamline the business um, trim the fat of the things that were just costing money that we weren't really using um, and it kept we engaged, it kept we in front of our members, you know, we're on the members' tellies, we're on the members' laptops, on the phones, pretty much daily. So it kept we kept we going. And a lot of the feedback was that the members just sort of felt um like they weren't forgotten about, which was nice. You know, we did a lot of talks on just sort of how people were getting on, what they were up to, even if they weren't engaging with the actual fitness classes, you know, were they engaging in like the little daft quizzes that we're doing on a Friday night or talks that we're doing on a lunchtime even if it was just me yapping to zero live streamers people were generally watching it later date and responding at some point so it, it worked quite well but yeah it was uh it wasn't easy because we didn't the benefit of having a, a private uh private facility instead of like a council-run facility is you know we'll get away with a lot and kind of our own boss and we'll run the show was the building and the land but at the same time we didn't really get much relief if any um, when it comes to the bills. Um, and then it was all sort of fell on my head rather than sort of the income and the rent from the clubs and the PTs. Yeah. So that was a big hit. Um, but I just couldn't morally charge money for what I could offer the coaches and the clubs. So, it was, uh, yeah, it was a long nine months, I think it was, in the end. <laughs> but do you, do you think it's actually helped you grow as a, as a business owner? Um, do you think it ha- it's actually helped you grow? Do you think it's helped your business? In the long, I mean, I'm not talking me mean from a financial perspective at the minute, but maybe like the relationship you've built stronger with your members. Do you think it's helped you? Um, relationship-wise, I think it's helped me personally more than anything. I've actually, I actually have a life outside of the gym, which I didn't realize until COVID. You know, when I, <laughs> when, when the gym wasn't when the gym wasn't a thing, and I didn't wasn't actually required to be here. What turns is out, outside world. I've turns out I've got quite a nice little life when I actually live it. Um, so yeah, I um, I got experience outside. Um, kind of took a little step back from work. Um, I've come back from COVID, really prioritizing things. Um, have my work and weeks set out now, and I'm strict in the way I deal with it. So I'm in the gym a lot less, but the time I am in the gym, it's it's important work. It's you know, mm-hmm. um, I'm spending a lot less time doing the day to day stuff and getting mixed up in the, the all the gym floor. Uh, crack and all that sort of stuff and I'm a bit more steering the ship um, looking a bit further afield so I've, uh, that's been a nice change um, 
And I think I was only able to do that because we had to step back and I could see the gym for what it was and where we were falling down and all the improvements that I probably wanted to make for a long time, but was just buried and snowed under with, like I say, the day to day, the week to week, just didn't really have a chance to do. I mean, the whole place has been redecorated and like just little things like that, paint work, stuff that I needed doing, but just wasn't getting done. So, um, Probably the best and worst thing that's ever happened to this place. Um, it made me, if anything, it, it made us feel like year one and year two again. You know, when you've got that little bit of passion about you and you, yeah. you're just fired up all the time, it kind of made us switch on a little bit. I wasn't, com no days I was complacent, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, so yeah, I, was, I quite didn't enjoy it, but I, I, I'm enjoying who I am and who the, what the gym is now coming out the back of it. But you need sometimes you need that like fiery litten, don't you? You oh, need yeah. to happen to reassess and reflect on what's happening and then go, wow, like I've got this passion again. I can go back into it. And you, like I say, year one and two, you're like, you're off your face, aren't you? You're just, oh, like, yeah. you're just trying to get everything done. It's amazing. It's an amazing it's feeling. You just never tired, are you? Just, just ah. every morning, like 10 p.m., 6 a.m., 10 p.m., 6 a.m. You're just never tired. You love it. Doors up, everything's buzzing. And then, uh, you get to start to get a bit tired and you get a bit older and it's, uh, it's a bit different. But no, it's, it, it made me really switch on and um, appreciate the members as well a bit more because, you know, they're stuck by with. Um, we give honest feedback about what we're doing and, and what they needed from us. Um, and, you know, I'd like to think we acted on it. So, so well done. Forward, it's good. It's good. I want to come back in just a second to the business owner side of things. But before mm. we do that, and this is like hugely, hugely important, especially for this podcast. Why do you do what you do? Why did you get into it? And why do you do it? I'll just rephrase, sorry, I'll just rephrase that a little bit because I want to just paint some context for anybody who's listening now. You actually started off as a PT working in DW, didn't you? Yes. So could you just tell us like what that was like, why you went into that, but then why you, it's completely different what you're doing now. Yeah. Um, a lot of people don't actually believe you when you tell them why, you know, when people say, oh, I'm passionate about this, people go, nah, I can't be that. It must be money. It must be this, it must be that. Um, I actually was in a total different lifestyle. Um, I essentially ended up on a PT course off the back of a failed military career. Um, I was, you know, trying my best to be a soldier. It didn't really work out. Um, and then on a resettlement course, they paid for me to do one of those, um, you know, you can't fail PT courses where you're guaranteed a job. Um, I mean, I did I did sort of like A-level biology and physical education and things like that. So I had a little bit about us, um, which I got an A in, by the way. Um, nice. So, so uh, <laughs> I did that course. So I wasn't quite sure. By time I, by time I came out of the forces, the lads who I went to college with had passed their degrees in sports development and coaching and things like that. So I was at home, didn't really have a job, and they were all applying for jobs. And uh, one of the, one of my mates come over to my house, and he was applying for jobs on my computer. And uh, I says, "Oh, there's a job going at DW. It was a PT," and he he didn't quite fancy it. And he was like, "I've got I've got a degree in this. You know, I'm looking for more like sports science kind of S and C sort of work." And I was like, all right, yeah, no, but he left. And I just thought, I just put a punt on it. And I thought, I'll apply for that. Um, and then they said, you need this, you need that. And um, I had learning credits and things from the forces. So 
they uh, put us through that and I got interviewed by DW and started as a PT, green as grass. Um, I remember hitting the floor. I met a guy called Mark Betton on week one, who's been about a little bit, uh, most recently at CrossFit Black Sheep. He's kind of gone out on his own now. Um, and he was, he was just a sound bloke and ended up teaching at DW for a little while. I don't like to admit this, but uh, I taught Insanity. Remember the Insanity DVD? <laughs> yes. Uh, Shorty. Uh, so he started doing a live version and I think DW bought the exclusive rights at the time. So they had like the only classes in the UK for the first six months or year of it hitting the UK. And the manager came to DW and went, anyone want to do this course? I was just a yes man back then. I was just like, yeah, I'll do it. I was saying yes to everyone. Want to lose weight? Yes. Want to gain muscle? Yes. Want to do this? Yes, I'll do it. You know, um, which now I would, I would say, you know, don't be that person. But when you have to pay 550 quid a month rent and absolutely green as grass and you've got no skills each each person was like a case study and i think if you treat each each like client like that yeah they might you might not have come across them before but if you teach them if you treat them as a learning opportunity then you know go for it um so i was learning on the job and i, I knew i had to learn quickly because ew was like a shark tank man there was some really good pts there back in 2013 um you know a lot of them have their own facilities now or studios and um, doing really well for themselves. So I'd like to, you know, think I'm one of those guys that have sort of come out the commercial gyms and done all right. Um, did a little bit with famous Gary Nash from ODFC. Um, I forgot to mention that with Bio. And uh, he had, he's had some giants working from Andy Coulson, um, you know, um, Jordan Wallace, um, Jamie from Method. Um, you know, Method Train and Tyneside are some of the biggest gyms in the Northeast. Um, so I've been amongst good people the entire time I've been doing this job, you know. Um, so you've been massively influencing, haven't you? Like, in a good oh, way. Yeah, definitely. Like, I mean, Christ, I used to look up to you guys as well, at like constant, um, when you were working at Spartan and things like that. I used to constantly watch what you guys were doing, and it was uh, brilliant, you know. If, 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 you've, if you constantly want, like, have that white belt mentality, it doesn't take long before you can start to command yourself a little bit of respect and like, walk into gyms a bit more confidently and take on clients that you've never seen before. So it's, uh, yeah, I'd like to think I've watched the best and learned from them because they're all doing really well for themselves, all the people that I sort of watched back in the day. It's uh, made good choices. Absolutely. So then what, this, that took you, that was where you were a PT, you were PT in a commercial facility. Mm-hmm. Then you, you obviously don't do that now. So what was that switching ah. mindset to say, well, this is what I want to do? There has to be an underlying reason doesn't that so a lot of my sort of background is like gymnastically so as a youth athlete i did a lot of gymnastics um and then that came hand in hand with weightlifting at the time did a little bit of weightlifting i mean nothing major but sort of weightlifting was that one thing that really sparked my excitement i like the idea of you know getting stronger so, and it was it was quite an athletic sport um i sort of sort really warmed to it i've always been a bit of a more powerful trainer like jumps and plyometrics and things like that so I kind of really took the weightlifting um tried to teach it at DW wasn't was never allowed the plates just weren't designed for Olympic weightlifting the floor wasn't really good upstairs um and then we started a, a thing called OLC um Olympic lifting club at ODFC um Gary let us um have the floor and he pretty much and designed the floor to be one huge platform. So it was like stripper mats, stripper wood, stripper mats, stripper wood. We started running Olympic weightlifting there. 
and it took off. Um, you know, like I say, the CrossFit was starting to really trickle into Newcastle at the time. You had Tyneside, which was just sort of quite fresh. It was only a couple of years old. Um, you had CrossFit Northumbria, which had kind of just been born. And Olympic lifting was starting to really uh, trickle in. And at the time, there was only Gated Stadium, Ashton, and a lady called Vika that was doing it. So I thought I'd try my hand at it. She did um, really good weightlifting, didn't she? Oh, Vika's, Vika's insane. There was three, the, you know, Gated Stadium had um, Hamid Masavi, um, Vika, and um, Keith Trebelko, you know, and all three of them are fantastic weightlifting coaches. Um, Vika doesn't really have a club anymore. Um, Keith teaches up at Ashton, and uh, Masavi has a club called Q. And they're all, you know, phenomenal weightlifting coaches for the Northeast. Um, so I thought, oh, I'll try, a bit of blast. And um, OLC was kind of doing really well. Um, it was just seniors, it was just adults. Um, and then I kind of started getting the bug for doing it myself. You know, my client base was kind of moving with us wherever I went. So, you know, if I, if I went to a different gym from DW, my client base would come with us. And I kind of trusted that no matter where I went, they would, they would come with us, you know. So found a little unit in Howden. Um, and there was a boxing club in the same estate that was kind of needing a new home. So we took a punt on it on the space the boxing club moved in we're kind of half the space um and north town say barbells was born um and we kind of just went with it there it wasn't really picking up a lot of speed until i did um an athletic development course and it was aimed at children and four kids came in um we had a rugby player a hockey player a dancer and then a kid that just wanted to try weightlifting and then Three of them still live today. One of them lives out in Bali. Um, one of them's just been accepted to the Falcons Rugby Academy. Another plays for Whitley Bay Warriors Hockey. Um, and the other carried on through weightlifting. All three of those boys are all national youth champions. Um, and one of them is on the pathway to the British squads for weightlifting. Awesome. Uh, we're all still lifting six years later. That's amazing. Yeah. No, it's crazy. And it just took off from there. You know, because everyone sees these kids now lifting huge weights, but it's took a long time to get there. But mm-hmm. it's just kind of, you know, steel sharp and steel. So once you get a couple of good kids, everyone just wants to sort of come with it. And then obviously as the gyms got bigger, um, parents have started bringing the kids, CrossFitters have started bringing the kids. And a lot of CrossFit gyms do CrossFit kids sessions now. So bringing them in. Um, so yeah, it's, as the gyms grew, the, the clubs have grew from it. I genuinely think that, the clubs wouldn't have survived if it hadn't have been for the gym. Like the gym sort of brings in the steady yeah. stream of you know members, and then they see the weightlifting, they want to give it a try, or they see the kids and they want to bring their kids. Because um, it's a sport you don't really get get to see that often at schools or anything like that. It's just been accepted by books, really, the university and colleges. Um, and we're hoping that unroll a raise the bar project for schools going forward in the next term, September. So it's getting there, but. You know, up until recently, there wasn't it wasn't very well known as a sport, especially I think for kids. it's a phenomenal sport. Ah, like did you watch the Super Heavies just before? I didn't. I couldn't get it. It's pay per view, isn't it? Yeah, um, yeah but there was, there was, I know there was, there was a world record. There was the guy from Georgia. Three. Yeah, three. Three. He broke three world records. He snatched two hundred and twenty-three, clean and jerked two six five. I think that was a four eight eight total. Twelve kilos or five hundred kilos under his over his head. That's it's phenomenal, isn't it? But the, I think what's what's amazing about it, like people watch it and they're like, oh, like you're lifting heavy. I remember when I was training the kids, I, 
I would get parents and they're like, you know, should he be lifting that weight? And obviously you would educate them on how to do it. It's all about the movement and the proficiency of it. But it's actually one of the safest sports, isn't it? It's the, I mean, if you compare oh, yeah. it to things like rugby and football, um, the injury rate is is literally non-existent compared to these other sports. Yeah. And again, you can argue that down to participation. So obviously numbers are going to be bigger. But yeah. you're right, yeah. Um, because it's such a focused sport, you're very rarely going to get coaches letting these kids just throw bars over their head with, without any sort of um, cues or coaching. Kids don't have an appreciation for kilograms. They will just try the bar mm. if you let them. Um, not, they haven't got any fear either. They'll just dive under these bars regardless of what... They're what crazy, aren't they? <laughs> it's, uh, you've, got to, you've got to be on them. Um, so, yeah, we, we restrict the amount of kids that we can like, have lift at one time. We've got, we've got room for more platforms, but I won't put any more than three platforms in because then I can stand down the lane and I can watch just three kids lift at a time. Um, you know, it's... Yeah, we've got safety measures in place for that sort of stuff. So why kids and what... I mean, and obviously that's what you kind of transitioned to. Is there any particular reason that you went for that? It's so much easier to coach than adults. <laughs> they just haven't got any bad habits, have they? Like, it's just... Uh, kind of more than the, what you want to be. Yeah, they listen to you for one. They just they don't have bad habits, you know. They actually want to be there. They don't, they're not doing it because they feel like they have to lose weight or they've got some sort of hidden agenda. Doctors told them, or you know, it, they're a lot more in the moment and they're a lot more like they're doing it just for the fun of it, which then brings back the fun in me. You know what I mean? Like, I've, it is quite hard when you're doing a job that you're supposed to love. Constantly, it takes the love out of it. Sometimes, like I don't know mm-hmm. about you, but you know, when you work and train and you know, eat and sleep in the gym and it just becomes a bit monotonous. Yeah. But then you'll have some kid walk in, raw, just smash a weight over the head. And it's like, it just, it just picks the hairs up on the back of your neck again. It makes you think this is why I do that. You know, it's uh, each one of them just, just re-inspires you because it's like starting from scratch again. Whereas uh, I think sometimes the seniors, it's, you know, they don't get any less love, but it's a bit, they're doing it because, you know, for health reasons or because got, there's a lot of mental health behind reasons for wanting to get fit and get strong and lose weight, isn't it? So there's a lot of agendas with seniors at that level, which is a shame, you know. Um, we do try to tackle that sort of stuff as much as we can here, but you're never going to, you know, never going to get through to some people when it comes to body dysmorphia and things like that. But with kids, it's just, you just know exactly why they're there. They're just genuinely doing it because they absolutely love it. I think I connect with that. Just, yeah. the, the, the great to train on. I mean, I'd, I've coached kids for years, and one of the things I got them into was Olympic lifting because I think when you can show them a complex movement like that, you know, things like snatching and clean and jerking, you have to be able to move right. And the confidence in them just absolutely explodes, doesn't it? It's just, the, you know, when, when they get that first snatch or the first clean, you can just see that the eyes just, you can just see that like click, that light bulb, and they're like, yeah. Yes, and the confidence just explodes. Oh, yeah. It's amazing. It's great when you like because they're just so like loose and like bandy. They're like it's like trying to tense spaghetti, isn't it? They're just so like loose when they're, they're moving, and then when they start like snapping into positions, and you just think, wow, like, it looks class. Um, they're like little sponges as well. You tell them something, and it's just like boom, there you go. Um, what's interesting though is I've I've gone through a couple of generations now, and the amount of times you have to reteach kids from like 13 to 17 because they have that, that huge peak growth curve and like arms get longer, legs get longer. You, like, you see it all the time. The boxers come in 
they'll go to punch the bag and it's like it hits them too soon because they're a couple inches longer and they're like oh you have to reteach them everything it's like you teach them five different techniques from 13 to 17 because they're just constantly growing it's uh what's like an awkward sort of like a stumbling phase don't they especially if they have that massive growth uh, i remember a lad who i was coaching at the gym and he must have spent two years he was just like he was tripping over his own two feet and everything proprioception just goes out the window now it does, but I think, but the but the thing is, because we were constantly like teaching him how to adapt to it, it it helped him in 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 his life. Because I think if he hadn't have done that, he would have been very self conscious. But because of the fact we actually helped him with that and coached him through it, he was just like, yeah, I mean, it, it did hinder his development in terms of the lifting and, and what he was doing in the gym, but it helped him in life. It helped him with that. Oh, totally, totally. Like, um, I'd like to think weightlifting supports all sorts of sports. So I, I never like to make kids choose. So if, you know, if you're playing football, play football. Get in and do some weights when you can. It'll only help you get play football. Play hockey, play hockey. Weightlifting will only help you play hockey. And I've never sort of said to a kid, right, you're going to have to choose. It's them or me type thing. It's football or weightlifting. You know, we like, I'd like to think that weightlifting supports everything else. So it's... And it's, it's, it's hard, it's robust training, you know, you've got to have a little bit of a mental edge about you to constantly throw yourself under heavy bars and squat, you're always aching and then you've got to then go and play football after squatting the night before and things like that. So it just creates mental toughness and, mm. um, you know, it, it, it gives them a little bit about themselves. It gives them that edge when they go and play team sports or something that, you know, them, especially at a younger age when kids are sort of just finding the strength. If you've got a kid that walks onto a, a rugby pitch and he's back squatting 100 kilograms at you know 13, 14 year old, he's just going to push scrums over. So it's uh, it's it's interesting to see. Like I say, the confidence skyrockets. I don't say much for the other kids on the pitch, but the the confidence skyrockets. And you do you get quite mature little individuals coming back and after a few years, and it's nice to see and sets them up for life. But, Absolutely does. So what's what's the difference between your mindset going in as, a, as, as what you said, green as grass personal training in a commercial facility, like to then coaching kids to develop in the sport? Like what, what was the difference? In a word, patience. Patience is massive. I think when I was, you know, you want results now, don't you, when you first start? It's like a results game. You're trying to prove yourself and, you know, you, you want to be the best at this and best at that. And everyone kind of wants that quick fix. So it was a case of let's get results in six weeks. Let's get results in eight weeks. We'll drop a dress size. We'll put 10 kilos on your deadlift. And I think you do sell your soul a little bit in the early days. I know, well, I know I did. I'll hold my hands up a little bit. Um, patience now. I've seen the system that we've got here work. And I know it's going to work again and again and again. Yeah, it may need tweaked for certain individuals, but our system when it comes to weightlifting anyways it works we're produced you know champion after champion after talent and not all of these kids are going to be weightlifters but we've then got kids who are coming in from six seven year olds who can't by the way like seven year olds at the moment in general are useless like they can't stand on one leg can't catch a ball can't claim a tree like when did this start happening you know exactly. like PE is yeah. just not being not the same anymore not- so you, you're taking kids who can't catch a ball and then you're getting them to throw barbells over the head in such a multi-joint movement. You know, it's insane. Like, So, yeah, I think patience. I get a kid come in now and 
they might they might get upset at the first session they might you know cry they might not like it they might have little tantrums just a bit more patient because i've seen it all before like my one of my best weightlifters was a nightmare to coach as a as a development lifter he was, he was, hor- <laughs> he was horrible you know and now he's one of the most switched on kids i know and he's just keen and he you know he, he wants to volunteer to help the coach the little kids and things like that so yeah but, um i'm a lot less stressy i don't think i'm trying to prove anything anymore um you know i've realized these you know probably the first set of kids that went through it's a bit like a first child isn't it the first child gets the hard the hard route mm-hmm. and then as the generations go by they get a little bit, a bit easier life um because i think i'm just not in a rush anymore i know they're gonna they are eventually going to back squat they are eventually going to clean at some point it's not in a rush to make them anymore that's the thing that's so important because i think like a lot of personal trainers miss this, and this is one of the messages that I try to deliver. It's if you can solve a specific problem, you become good at solving that problem. Like I said, yourself, when you first start training kids, you're just like, what the? It's like, but then you start understanding the problem. You start understanding how the process works. And what you said before is perfect, a system. You build that system. Or whether this system is kind of in your head of how it formulates, or whether you have this written down or whatever it is, the fact is you have this system. So any kid comes through, you know what to expect. Yeah. You become the best then at solving that problem. And then guess what? When anybody, and people think of problems as people having problems, but a kid who wants to develop the confidence and have better abilities, that's a problem, isn't it? It's a problem that you solve. Yeah. Hey, just can you hear jumping in real quick? Let me ask you a quick question. Are you serious about building and growing a personal training or a health coaching business? Because if you are, then I have a free gift for you. See, the biggest thing that holds people back is the mindset. It's the limiting beliefs. It's the self-doubt. It's these things that really get into your head and stop you from progressing forward. It's self-sabotage. Now, I have a free gift. It's a seven mindset blocks stopping you from getting clients. In here, I'm going to give you the three biggest things you need to develop a successful business. Confidence, clarity, which in the end is going to bring you clients. Clients are the lifeblood of your business. So if you want to get this sorted now, then download my free guide. The link is in the show notes. Well, that's it it's just evolved like from from like i say just a little bit you know what's the word lagging it a little bit to actually we're, we're onto something here we're, we're we're doing quite well like i turned up at my first ever development and youth national championships with i think five five six lifters i didn't even have a coaching license you know i turned up turned up with these kids thinking oh we're just going to turn up we're going to have some fun we're going to go home I got stopped at the door. Like, you can't come in here. Like, this is a national tournament. You haven't even got a coaching license. Like, but the kids can come and lift because they're all weightlifters. So I'm coaching these kids via Do you like in the facility? <laughs> well, I was in the crowd. I was allowed in the crowd. Right. So I'm coaching these kids from FaceTime. They're in the warm-up room with a chaperone. <laughs> and I'm FaceTiming these kids. We'll come back with four, like three gold medals, two silvers and a bronze. And then I got the... Um, David Gent at the time, he was the director of British Weightlifting at the time, pulled us to one side and went, look, you need to get this sorted. We're going to help you. But it's, you know, got my, got my license sorted. Um, and now I've got a role within British Weightlifting and we've just become one of only 10 talent academies in the UK for weightlifting. We're the only talent academy north of Manchester. That's in Scotland and England. You know, so... <laughs> That's a huge achievement. So I'm going from the bad boy of British weightlifting to now working for them and you know actively playing a role within the participation and the 
um, of the northeast. So it's a uh, it's been quite a journey. That's amazing, and that's actually what I want to touch on now. That same type of thing because I'm going to. Get, I'm, I don't know whether you actually know this, but I'll, I'll explain. I'll give a bit, a bit of context to it. A lot of personal trainers struggle with that experience thing. I say, "Well, I'm not good enough to do that yet, and I have to do X, Y, and Z before I can do that." And you know, blah blah blah. They start kind of talking out of things. But it, when we first met, we met was it back in 2012, 2013, wasn't it? Something like that. Is that when we had the little tournament here? No, when we when you came to concerts, when you came to Spartan. Yeah, yeah, I just, just have a little shadow and look around, didn't I? Yeah. yeah, so I don't know whether you know this, but I'd, I'd literally only just started Olympic lifting myself, okay? Mm -hmm. And I was basically doing it for the members. That's something that I got into. I was training youth athletes, and I started mm -hmm. Olympic lifting. I thought, wow, this is amazing. I loved it for myself. I loved the technique and how we were teaching. I started teaching a few gym members, and we started running a little bit of a, little bit of a course. And Jack, who owns the gym, Jack Lovett, who owns the gym, says, oh, why don't we put together like a little course for the members? And, you know, we'll say, yeah, awesome, great. And then I think I think I taught about two, like, programs, like a four-week program. And then Jack came in one day and he says, oh, he said, I've got another, um, I've got another program. I've got some more guys coming. I said, oh, amazing. He says, oh, the outsiders. And I was like, right, okay, I'm sure this wasn't the deal, but okay, yeah. let's go with it. And he says, oh, they're quite experienced as well. I was just like, <laughs> what the experience? I said, I've done like two courses on this. He says, yeah. Oh, well, you know, you'd be fine, you'd be fine. Literally threw us under the bus, and I was like, Shit, like, I've, I've just got to learn everything about it. And honestly, like, I just, I was listening, I was, re I watched all Will Fleming's um DVDs. I was just so in, I must have sat for hours just watching him and studying him. I was reading books, I was just doing everything I could in Olympic lifting. But and then you guys came in, and I mean, you were miles above what I knew. And it was just you wouldn't, you wouldn't, you wouldn't have been able to tell the way you delivered it, yeah. But, but the, the thing is, it was I just thought, you know, I've just got to do the best I can, right? I just got to do the best I can, and I had so much fun on that course. And do you know what? I learned loads from yourself, and you were saying before you were inspired by like coming to Spartan and what we were doing. But like, I had so much respect for you, and I didn't even know you before then. And I actually started following a lot of the work that you've done, and you were someone who I kind of looked up to with the Olympic lifting. And bear in mind, you came to me to help you, and I was kind of, my, I was actually miles behind. But like Colin, remember Colin who was on it? Like Colin, yeah. I say I'll see Colin now, and Colin, Colin still asks us questions about it, and he'll he'll mention it. Is because, that the, the lad from Durham University? Lad from Durham yeah, University. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, one of the things that Jack says is, "Oh, there's a lecturer coming on to it as well." He was like really knowledgeable about sports science, and he doesn't look. Yeah. I was like, Jesus Christ, I'm like completely out of my depth here. Yeah. But the, the point was, it's, it, it put me in a position to then actually learn it and mm. thought, you know what it is? It's, if I do it wrong, I do it wrong. It doesn't matter. But it didn't turn out how I expected. I was expected to go completely, like, be embarrassed and, you mm. know. But we had a good bit crack. And then, you know, Colin says that he picked a few good tips up that he still uses now. So my point in the story is any, any personal trainer who's thinking, I need to be experienced first, that like, you really don't. It's actually good to be put on the spot. And just say, look, you're going to have to do this in like three weeks. Because guess what you'll do? You'll sit up all night and you'll watch DVDs on it. And you'll yeah. read books just so you can you step up, don't you? Oh, massively. Massively. You like you rose, rose to the challenge. You know what I mean? Like I say, I, I wouldn't have even I wouldn't have even been able to tell that. You've <laughs> only been doing it a couple of times because it was class. And like I say, I learned a lot from it. And talking about systems, like how you delivered it and the way you delivered it and the system of the course. Like, although I had this important background behind us the business models of how to deliver things to paying clients paying members was alien to me so i think 
But like sort of expanding on that, the reason I went around all these places was to learn from these gyms that were doing all that stuff really well. Um, and I'd like to think I've got quite a good relationship with a lot of gym owners and a lot of guys from around the Northeast because I've never been afraid to go and see what they're about, what they're doing, and say, I'm here to learn from you. You know, so it's, uh, you should never, the fitness industry is massive, isn't it? You know, we don't all fight over the same piece. I get around and sort of, yeah, that. Is that the rain? Is that the rain? Is it the rain? Yeah, it's the rain. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's, I've always enjoyed going in and doing courses in other gyms and learning from things. I did a weightlifting course at um, CrossFit Northumbria. You know, I've, I've got amongst it. I think I came back to Spartan when Clock Off was there and did oh, the course yeah. there. Like, you know, I'm never shy of throwing myself into someone else's domain and having a little see what they're about because. Whether it works or it doesn't, you're always going to learn something from it, isn't it? Whether it's to do it like that or to do it like that. So it's, uh... That's the thing. I, I think you're going to learn something from everybody. It doesn't matter what their experience is. There's always something that you could learn from it. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of the coaches missed that point in the game when you said collaboration as opposed to competition. You know, it's 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 a fitness industry, right? It's, it's, it's everybody in the world needs to do some form of health and fitness. It's you're not in competition with anyone. If you can collaborate with more people, you'll learn more, you'll build connections. Yeah. And people buy people don't know. If someone's coming to train with you to learn Olympic weightlifting or to learn anything, it's because they've got some form of connection with you. Yeah, they could go and see anybody about it, but they chose to try you. So you know you need to build on that connection with the person rather than try and sell your sell your skills and brand your skills. It's more about being that personal you know, they might like the way you teach it. They might have been taught by everybody, but they like the way you teach it. Like, first, I've been taught by Vita, Masabi, and Keith, and I've took the best bits and the worst bits of all of those guys, and I've tried to put my own spin on it. You know, I've learned something from all three of those guys. Um, and I think I've tried to put my spin on the way they coach me or the way they coach their guys. And it's, uh, but that what's generational thing, it? isn't it? It is, but you build your, you build your own method. That's essentially what you're doing, isn't it? It's a bit from this, bit from this, bit from this, and you build your own method. You're not you're not creating something from scratch. You're not saying, "Oh, this is the new way of Olympic lifting." It's yeah. like, oh, this why is wouldn't you? Lift, but I, yeah. yeah, why wouldn't you? Because they've all had success in their own way at what they do. So it's you know, like Spartan is like a powerhouse in the northeast when it comes to gyms, and they have their niche. So. Why wouldn't you want to see what they're up to? Because they're doing it really well. You might never emulate that. You shouldn't really try to be them. But there's got to be things you can take away from all these guys. And how can I apply that in my own business? Or how can I apply that in my own skill set? Because some of these guys, some of these gyms are doing what they do very, very well. It's, you'd be silly not to. Yeah, absolutely. I, th- I think that's such an important point that how you can just take things away from everybody, take away what you're inspired by and how you can implement it yourself, because that makes it unique by putting loads of bits and making it your own. That's what makes it different, isn't it? And generally, most of them are happy to share the information and talk about it. Um, me and Kev Walker from Model Health get on like that. I send him a message or ring him and ask him about something. He's more than happy to talk about it because he's proud of it, he's excited over it, you know, like, he knows what he's doing, he's working, and he's happy to talk about it. Yeah. He's, all I, you have to do is ask the question. That's one of the biggest pieces of advice that I took away, and this was actually from Jack, from Jack Lovett, when I was working in Spartan with him, 
um, he had this personal trainer who was doing the TR. Basically, he was running the TRX course, and he had this personal trainer who was in it, and she was only doing it so she could go and emulate it in her own way. Yeah. So I remember someone saying to him, he says, why, why are you letting her do it? Because she's going to steal what you're doing. He's like, I'm not bothered. He says, yeah. we do it this way, and she'll not be able to copy the way we do because we do it. She can take what she wants from it, and she can go and do it. And that's fine, but she'll take her own, she'll have her own method. And when he said that, I was just like, do you know what it is? That's absolutely true. As long as you believe in what you're doing and you know you do your own unique way, then nobody can ever copy this. But you can help somebody else with theirs. I love it when a, a PT or someone who's signed on to a level one, level three, level coach uh, course walks in the building because it, you know, I like the coach to lift, but then I'll go, right, the reason why I'm telling you to do that is because we're doing this so the cues i'm going to use are this and i like to put that spin on it like when you apply this to somebody like i'll ask them like why am i asking why am i asking you to do this what can you think of that's maybe going wrong and it just it adds feathers to your bow as well as a coach like i don't know i just feel like if you have that wiped out mentality you're always learning from someone it's just going to benefit you and it's going to benefit your clients isn't it a hundred percent I want to touch on to just what we were saying before, because you start out as a PT. Now you actually, you have a business. Do you, what would you, not so much what would you class yourself as now, but would you think you do more businessy stuff now? And how important do you think that is to actually adopt that type of mindset for your business? Um, I don't know what to call myself these days. I think I'm a bit of everything. Cleaner, admin. You know, receptionist. It's, it's <laughs> a bit of everything, aren't you? Um, I used to get really annoyed when my girlfriend introduces the people as a PT, you know? And I was like, I want to do it. So it's like, I used to get quite annoyed by that, but then I I don't know. I don't think it bothers us anymore. I, I've i kept on a few PTs, um, you know, and it, it's it's always going to be part and parcel of the job, is it? You know, it's where you shop your tools, isn't it? So, um I wouldn't know what to class myself as now. Um, I think the hardest part has been learning the business side of it, the managerial side of it. Probably the biggest challenges I face are managing people, um, especially other self-employed um, parts of the business. So, you know, we'll have self-employed person trainers working here. who are all very headstrong and all have their set ways of doing things and have their own sort of aspirations and what they want to achieve and, don't always line up this what kind of the gym is about. I think that's the biggest challenges. Um, is more the management side of like managing people and trying to keep everything fitting with sort of mission statement type thing. Um, everything, everything I've come across, other than the gym floor stuff, has been a challenge because it's been the first time I've come across it. So a website. I didn't know how to edit and design the website or code things. Um, even operating the till, taxes, things like that. You know, it's um, membership, direct debits, refunds, like any, like, or everything like that. The first time you come across it, it feels like it takes so much longer than it should. You know, if that makes sense. Um, Absolutely. The gym floor stuff you can do on your head with your eyes closed. You know, someone walks in and the knees are caving in on a squat. You're like, ding, 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 fixed. The error pops up. I mean, 
our website a couple of years ago started selling Japanese Viagra, and I didn't know how to stop it. <laughs> did you make any money of it? Nah, I did the hell. But we got banned from Instagram and Facebook, and they just totally blacklisted the website, really? so I had to get a whole new domain name. Jeez. I had to change everything like that, and it's, it's just, oh. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know what I mean, the, the, the administration, the back office type stuff, every time you come across something new, even just designing and marketing, like social media is the same job these days, isn't it? Like, but it is, it's a full-time job. It takes so much time up, um, and it's frustrating because I like to sort of just write what it is, just see as a window of essentially what we've just done in the gym today. Try to be as honest as we can. But it's not sexy, is it? It doesn't, it doesn't get the likes. And I did a business course during lockdown, um, and it was all about social media marketing and things like that. And all the stuff I just didn't agree with because, you know, we're not talking statistics, we're talking people. You know, it's, uh, the guys that were running it were from sort of high manufacturing backgrounds and you know, KPIs and things like that. And I think I've never been about that. You don't really see many KPIs on our whiteboards in the offices. It's not so much you must sell this many memberships per month and all that sort of stuff. It's it's more about building relationships. We have sort of staff meetings about how to, you know, how to make someone feel special the first sixty seconds they walk into the building and things like that. It's more about being conscious as a person and as a coach, rather than seeing pound signs and you know efficiency and things like that. I think if you lose, if you go too far that way, I mean. It must work because some of the guys who are doing it really well are just, you know, pulling away from everyone else right here in the area. But I don't think I'm ever going to be that sort of ruthless when it comes to the business. Well, I suppose so. it comes down to purpose and what you want, doesn't it? Because, like, if that's what you want, if you want that business that generates, you know, multiple millions of pounds, then obviously that is the role that you need to take. But if that does not something that gives you purpose and helping the kids is then your business model is run from a different purpose. Yeah. I suppose yeah. It's like a lot of coaches get into it because they want to, or they think they're going to earn loads of money straight away. And that's not the case. It takes, you know, you've got to, you've got to, you've got to put the work in like you, you have, you know, you don't just wake up one day and have a facility, which is full of people. You've got to, you've got to work for it. Right. Oh, I, I earned more money as a PT at TW and it was easy. Like, you know, I was, I was PT in the morning. Heading down Usburn, sitting outside the time bar in the sun with a pint, and then heading back in the afternoon and teaching a couple of spin classes, and it was it was not a drama. You just had to pay your rent at the end of the month, and it was quite easy. There was nothing to it really. Um, so yeah, look, it's, it's totally different now. Um, where was I going with that? I did have a point. Um, yeah, I think purpose-wise, like you say, finding that why that helps you when. The, when you're getting frustrated and when you're sort of concerned about the business, I think remembering why you did it in the first place does help push you on that a little bit more. Um, so our gym's based in my hometown. Um, I don't know if I told you that, but it's, uh, it's in my hometown. And at the time we opened it, there wasn't really a lot happening. There was FSI, there was fitness rooms, but there wasn't really much going on. There wasn't anything down the coast. There wasn't anything... You know, in some of the more affluent areas around where I live. So we could have dropped the gym in a bit more of an affluent area and probably made a lot more money. But no, got the gym in my hometown and we are trying to change the way how it operates a little bit when it comes to, you know, opportunity for these kids and for the, for the young people, well, anyone around Howden really. Um, so yeah, I think 
it's never going to be a, a millionaire gym, you know. I'm happy with that because it's making a bit of a difference in this community. Um, I don't need a lot of money to live. I, I live I live within my means, you know, um, and I quite enjoy what I do. I've got quite a good little social life within the gym, and you know, it's uh, remembering that when when you are stressing about bills and things like that just makes that a little bit easier, doesn't it? That's it. I think that's a, there's a, um, there's that thing, isn't it, where you know, you think people think they need to have all this money to live the life that they want, and that's going to make them happiness. But actually, if you create happiness first with the life that you've got, work for the things that give you purpose, work for the things that you can wake up in the morning and know that you're making a difference. Yeah. And then, you know, if you could be happy then, then money becomes a byproduct. And then if it's a case where actually money is an issue now, then you can work on more focus on that, whatever you need to do. It gives you the avenue to then explore, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, you know, you've got to consider in some cases, we are the most consistent thing in people's lives. And especially in COVID, um, you know, that constant little checkup and that constant little accountability it goes a long way for some people, especially kids. You know, and I'm not, I'm not trying to be stereotypical here, but kids with, from broken homes and, you know, we'll, we'll come from an area where it's, it's common, broken homes, single parents, you know, having that consistent person in their lives who's constantly picking them up and being positive around them, it makes a massive difference. You know, they're, they're literally scratching at the door after school to get in and it's, it picks you up a little bit. You could be having the worst day and then a troop of kids come belting around the corner from school, screaming and shouting, buzzing to be there. You just can't not be in a mood, can you? It's just like, bang, right, come on, showtime. It's, uh, it's priceless, isn't it? Exactly. People don't get that. People don't get the affirmation every day from their job. Like say, like say a teacher, for instance, what they do is very meaningful, you know, providing growth for these kids. You only get to see that once a year when the GCSEs come in. You know, they only really get to see what, what, what they produce that once a year. We get to see it week in, week out. It's just pure happiness, isn't it? I think that's what I love about it. And you shouldn't be ever afraid to accept that pat on the back, by the way. You know, like a lot of coaches go like, feel a bit weird about accepting sort of praise or pats on the back and things like that. Like if it gets you out of bed the next day and you do the same for the next person, then accept that sort of praise or accept that pat on the back. Or if you're feeling good about doing something, well then just enjoy it. Don't feel like weird about it or say, I don't deserve this because it's, you know, someone else. It's, if it's driving you to make other people feel better, take well you can get it. Put good in the world and good comes back. That's what I believe. Exactly. You know, whether that kind of happens in five, ten, it doesn't matter if you're putting good and you're helping other people in life, then you get the same back in time. Mm. The big thing that keeps swirling around my head is legacy. You know, are, are we going to lay the foundation of a pathway that's going to be here for years to come? You know, I see some weightlifting clubs. I mean, you know, Ashton uh, Parkhead have got a barbell from the East Berlin Games. Like, that's insane. You know, Where's NTB going to be in 50 years? You know, is, is, where's it going to be in five years, let alone that? But what we've created here, is it going to carry on? You'd like to think so. You see some of these weightlifting clubs like Crystal Palace and Atlas and, you know, the Emily Campbell who's just won a um, silver medal for Britain, first ever female to do it. Her coach is 80-odd year old and he's been doing this for some time. Cyril Martin, you know what I mean? He's unbelievable. Um, so it's, where does the legacy lie? And I think that's what I'm, I think that's a big motivator for me. It is. And you know, are these kids, these kids going to be lifting and 
or what where's it going to go even when i'm just you know i'll be buried yeah. under the platforms <laughs> oh joe we're, we're lifting on steve today yeah yeah this platform's called steve but that's the thing like people think of legacy and they think oh well i don't want to have this big enterprise and it's not about having an enterprise is it look at um his name just completely popped out my head and uh, covid um the guy man um the guy who the old guy the hundred what's his name who done the done the walk for for covid what mine's uh sir oh yes tom um Sir Tom, as he's saying, mine's gone completely Sir, blank. Sir Tom, <laughs> I'm going to have to Google it. I, I can't believe I can't remember that. Uh, we did the bloody workout for him. Sir Tom Moore. Sir Tom Moore. How did I remember that? I was thinking Tom Jones. Tom Jones is a flipping singer. Sir <laughs> Tom Moore, like he was a hundred years old, and obviously he's achieved a lot in his in his past. You know what I mean? He's achieved all those things, but he's always going to be remembered for what he'd done. His legacy was when he was 100. And then yeah, he didn't. He died not long after that. But the point is, he's left something in the world. He's left some inspiration in the world. Yeah. yeah. I think that, that that is such a powerful thought for a lot of people to think, like, what am I leaving here? Yeah. When I, if I'm going to go, what am I leaving? And can you, you can you ever measure the ripple effect that that man's going to have on certain lives? You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's unmeasurable that like, what he did you're never going to see the end of that. It's going to, people constantly talk about it, remember it, and I remember it. It'd probably be taught in schools at some point when people are talking about COVID. It'd be surprised if he doesn't get a mention. It'd be one of those things that, like, it, it's, it's, it's a legendary tale, isn't it? It's going to be this, you know, in COVID, this guy done this, and this is what you can learn from that. And it's like what you're saying, it'll be yeah. taught to kids. And, you know, if you ever feel down on your luck or you ever feel like you kind of can't achieve something, this guy was 100. Exactly. This guy I, was 100. Yeah. Amazing. Yes, that's, that's, that's a big one. That's a big one. Uh, British weightlifting have really helped with that in sort of how to lay the foundations of what a, what a good club looks like in the sense of is a good club going to last type thing. So, you know, what are you doing to build the next generation of coaches, not, not just lifters? Are you going to, how, are you, how are you then turning them into coaches? How are you sort of involving parents and things like that? So British weightlifting have played a massive part in that. Um, to help sort of make the club what it is, you know. So for whatever reason, the clubs were probably more solid than what the gym was during COVID. And I remember saying this, like, you know, for whatever reason, the gym fails. We've just got to damage control the clubs and make sure we lift them and shift them. Um, I remember putting a play out um, when I was panicking to say if anyone would, if push comes to shove, would anyone house it? And like I was saying before about having a good relationship with a lot of gym owners, the amount of people that step forward and went, we would have the weightlifting club in a heartbeat. You know what I mean? So it's it's, uh, it's nice. It's nice to see that it would be safe. You know, for whatever reason, Unique Fitness did fail, um, which I thought about during COVID. You know what I mean? Um, what would happen to the clubs? Um, yeah, that's, that's a big motivator. I, I, I don't think I'll ever let NTB fall. So, one of them. So what, what legacy then? Because one of the questions I was going to ask is what was the future for you? But what legacy do you want to leave then? Um, I think I just want to make it easier for people to sort of try these sports. Um, you know, 
provide, I, I'm, we touched on this before about the Olympics, about it being a subscription event. Like, I'm, I, it really, really winds me up when things are taken away from, especially kids who deserve it. Yeah. Like, why, why shouldn't the world be allowed to watch the Olympic Games for free? A lot of, a lot of athletes that are going to these games are generally funded by taxpayers. So it's in lottery funds and things like that. So why should they then have to pay extra to a, a company that probably doesn't put into any, any of these government systems a subscription to then watch these things? It's, I remember growing up with the Olympics being on the telly, just sat with my eyes like this, watching it, thinking, oh my God, and then, then go and trying it on the field with your mates, like backflips out of trees and stuff like that. It, it, it was one of them, didn't it? It inspires generations. Yeah. Hence why we have the continuous games, because someone will watch that games, go and try that sport and be the next Olympian. How many kids didn't get that opportunity this time because they couldn't afford to watch it or they didn't have Sky or Eurosport or... Discovery Plus, it's you know, probably shouldn't be in them, but you know, it's 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 one of them, isn't it? It just it just rattles you, and I think that's probably my biggest motivator as well. Like, our prices reflect that, you know, we obviously need money to keep the place afloat, but our prices reflect, um, what's the word, inclusion, you know, trying to not make it sort of. Trying to include everyone, regardless of sort of where you're from, what you do, money-wise. It's uh, I try to reflect that as best I can. Normally to my detriment, but um, I try to make it as inclusive as possible. Um, I don't like saying no to people. I don't like saying no to kids and things like that. So I've got all sorts of setups just to get people to have a try of it. And coming off the back of it, you know, we've seen some absolute stars. One of our best female weightlifters came off the back of a course will run um, at, a, at a local college which was aimed at PE Dodgers you know just girls that sort of always forget the kit and don't really do PE um, she's now trialling for the Northern Development Squad camps and things like that so it's you never know where these kids are going to lie you've just got to sort of throw yourself out there we do a lot of outreach work with schools and colleges and stuff like that and I very rarely accept payment for them because you know I'm always like well we don't know what this could produce. You know, let us help you, and in turn, hopefully, it'll help us. Um, yeah, I think legacy-wise, it's just inclusion. Inclusion. Yeah. How can we make sport more accessible to kids around around the, around the gym? You know, how can we open the doors up to more sports? How can we get kids be more active? You know. Tackling also, it, 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 like I say about these ripple effects, it goes to a greater scale, doesn't it? When you're talking about like obesity rates and you know, um, that's the word I'm looking for, um, like crime rates and things like that. So, um, antisocial behavior, you know, we're right next to a park where kids kick hell out of each other all the time, and then the boxing coaches will have a little wander over and say, Well, do you want to try and learn how to do it properly? and then they'll come in and punch hell out of each other in the ring instead. So, it's 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 all about that sort of stuff. Like, if we weren't here, how different would it be? Um, you know, what would this what would this estate look like? What would the kids that are normally here? What would they be doing? Um, it's uh, it's all about that for me. I think that's amazing because I think like 
everybody for a lot of saying everybody actually everybody we get on the podcast doesn't actually mention money to mention purpose and and you know the deeper driver what gets them motivated money is a weak driver like if you just focus mainly on money you might make loads of it but it's a weak driver it's, it's it doesn't really give you any fulfillment it could definitely give you the lifestyle that you want you know depending on that lifestyle that you want everybody's different everybody has a different lifestyle not a lot of people want that you know the millionaire lifestyle or whatever it is but if you can work on what you were saying they use the purpose you can make that kid a little bit different give them confidence and like that gives you purpose doesn't it? and that's just gonna expand over the years that's just you're going to touch more lives and now you're involved with the g it's a team gb you're involved with now isn't it olympic workers yeah the development pathways yeah and you start off as a, a bad boy who was <laughs> yeah. didn't even have a license i was getting lots of things wrong <laughs> but now you're in that so you're making an impact into that and you don't know where that's going to go in five ten years time you could, you exactly. could go anywhere couldn't you you don't know who you're going to meet. You don't know what opportunities you're going to have. But the fact is you are creating yourself those opportunities because you're putting yourself in, in the position to meet other people and have those opportunities. Yeah. You just, like, just see where things, like what, what happens. Like don't say no to stuff. Um, go and try it. It might be a ball ache. It might cost you a little bit of money. You know, um, go and try something. Get stood in front of your local school. Go see what the college is doing or... You know, get amongst stuff and get in front of people that you might not necessarily have ever worked with and good things will come from it. I mean, we have all sorts. We've got veterans agency groups that come in here. We've got, you know, special needs schools that we'll work with. We've got Percy Headley, like all these sort of different, you know, um, demographics of people or special populations. At the time when we first tried it, we hadn't a clue what was going to happen, but we researched it, we studied it, we'll give it a try and we've learned from it. And half the kids are just, thankful that they've been given an opportunity you know the first time i worked with someone with uh, cerebral palsy i didn't really have a clue what it was about i'd studied it i'd read up on it but they were genuinely thankful that just give them an opportunity to try the pts had turned them down or the gyms were a bit you know funny about them training there and it's just give someone a try and you never know what may come out of it then you have someone who's invested in you invested in the gym because you give them an opportunity god knows how they're going to pay that forward um, but touching on money though I think if we are if this is designed for people who are in the industry I think it's important that you are sustainable no charity mm. can do the good work it does unless it's yes. paying for itself so you know you have to be sustainable I've got Arnold Schwarzenegger's rules um, six rules for success painted on the wall here and there's a reason why rule six is give something back and why it's the last rule because you have to get there first. Like, it's it's great to be this honorable, admiral, white knight of a person who wants to help everyone and be charitable. But if it's been detrimental to you financially, your health, and your relationships personally, it isn't going to last. And then you're only just going to let these people down. Um, I'm able to sponsor these athletes and I'm able to give my time up for free for these kids and things like that because. We're sustainable. We weren't always, you know. We did have to make money first. Um, so I think that's really important to note, you know. Yes. Don't just jump in two-footed and go, I'm going to do everything for free and going to be this charity guy. You need to be able to look after yourself first. There's the whole glass half full type thing. If you're drinking from an empty cup, it's you're not going to be able to support anyone else. Are you? 
that's the thing you can't give what you haven't got can you but the thing is i suppose i'm motivated as a general if i can if i can do this earn this then i can give this then if i earn this i can give this and if i earn this i can give this and it's it's like steps isn't it and exactly yeah. what arnie says on your six rules give some of back is the reason why that's number six because you have to do that exactly yeah exactly um you know the, it's and it's it, the, the reason why it's grew each time is because we've had that attitude of when we've achieved something you then look back and go right how can everyone else around with achieve the next thing mm-hmm. so when one of the clubs achieved um club mark status Right, let's emulate that model to the other clubs and show them how to do it. So then they all rise, and then they're all now equally as accessible to funding and things like that. So it's is it's a case of achieve something, look back, how can you give back? Achieve the next thing, look back, how can you give back? If you're just blinkered going forward, which sometimes you have to be a little bit selfish, you know, if you're just blinkered moving forward, you're going to turn around and you're going to be the only one there. It's going to be a bit lonely, isn't it? Yeah, that's it. And that's the thing you've got to have that you've got to have that metric as money is to as a target as well in terms of a metric to measure it by because you've got to be able to measure it you can't just measure putting good into somebody's life mm-hmm. so you have to have that money as a metric to then watch your business grow but at the same time that allows you to give more that's yeah. the way i see it oh definitely yeah definitely so yeah metric you're right in the metrics i mean they're quite they're quite simple for us it's all about participation numbers and things you know like getting kids into certain sports, getting them to compete and things like that. Um, so it is, it is, again, everything's a numbers game, isn't it? We're looking at yes. you know, the club as a whole, how many of how many members are competing, how members are just doing it recreationally. You know, and then a lot of funders now are starting to look a little bit deeper than that in into more case study stuff. So you go, right, out of these groups, what demographics do I have here? And again, a little bit annoying it's a little bit political and I can see why the funders are doing it. You know, there's, there's a lot of boxes you have to tick now and they sort of go, right, how many of these athletes are, you know, from being backgrounds? How many of these athletes are from um, less fortunate backgrounds? And I hate, I hate doing this sort of stuff, you know, yeah, I hate sort of putting these people into boxes to tick, tick things so that we can receive grants or funding and things like that. It's not a nice part of the job, but, starting to look really deeper into it, like how many of these kids have special needs, how many of these kids are, you know, have disabilities and things like that. And it almost becomes a, a focus point. You start going, right, well, I'm going to receive more money if I've got more disabled kids in my club. It's, it's, but I suppose on, on, on the same side of that, it's like, I know that's not a great way to think of it, but it's the same side that I could help more. But that's it, isn't it's it? Like yeah, get there's more there's, in, reason, there's purpose for everything, isn't it? So, yeah. As long as you don't make it dangerous, people. like just try to get more in for the sake of getting yeah. more money. It's like, yeah. We could manage an X number of people. That would give us more money, but it means we can give more back. Mm. Oh, totally. Totally. Yeah, like the the amount of range of people I've personally worked with in the last six years has been crazy. Um, you know, I've learned a lot on the job and it's it's just opened my eyes to the possibilities in sport. If you're willing to try, you know what I mean? If you're willing to say, yes, I'm going to give this guy a go, or I'm going to you know, go and learn about this and see where it takes us. I went and sat in on some Paralympic sports um, seminars and courses and things like that, and it just blew my mind, like some of the things these guys are doing and what they have to overcome just to even participate in sport. I mean, the classification of Paralympics is like insane. There's tests I have to go through to prove 
where they belong in sport. So it's unbelievable. But the, the what they do is just the ability is just phenomenal. Like, and you you can look at the Olympics and say, you know, like Jessica Ennis is an amazing athlete. Um, you know, the, the you know Usain Bolt is an amazing athlete. But then you look at somebody who is, you know, not as fortunate, but they're competing at that level, and you're just like, that is just mind blowing, isn't it? Right, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. It's uh, it's, uh, it's great. We've got a we've got a young lad in at the moment who um he's an amputee. Um, lower limb you know some weeks I think I wish I had 10 of them he's just there you know what I mean like um, he's got it up there and obviously because of that trauma he's a lot more robust than those, those kids who haven't had that trauma but it's, just, it's a horrible thing to have to go through to then have that mindset but we just think he's got it you know what I mean he's got something special so it's, yeah. uh, it, it's there's two ways to go isn't it you become the victim or you become the victor and it's just like do you know what laugh. This has happened for me, not to me, because it's happened for me, I'm going to make the most of it. This has happened, so I'm going to make the most of it. I'm going to become the best I can do. I think that's an amazing mindset, especially a 10-year-old. Yeah. Hi. Yeah, that's crazy. Absolutely crazy. And it, it just sets it sets the bar, doesn't it? Because then, you know, what you would consider able-bodied kids, they see this happening and they think, well, if they can do it, I can do it. And then it mm-hmm. just brings the whole group up, doesn't it? It does, Absolutely. If in the right environment, even the most, you know, horrific of things can be a positive if you allow it to be, or if you create that environment. Yeah. Exactly. If you can create that inspiring environment, then that is what the kids are going to get, isn't it? So, what what advice would you give to somebody who's just come in the industry? If you if a personal trainer just come in the industry and you give them one bit of advice, what would it be? Yeah. Get yourself out there. Don't stand still in one spot. See what's around. See what's in your area. What's happening. Meet people. Network. And, uh, don't be don't be afraid to network. Don't be afraid to walk into any gym and just explain exactly why you're there. Like I'm here to see what you guys are about. I'm here to learn from it. And just quickly find quickly find your why. Like we were talking about before. Like understand what drove you to do it. And it, it may change, you know, you might, you might think you know why you're doing it and then you may change your mind later on. But as long as you have something to really fall back on and understand that's why you're doing it, then it's going to help in the, in the darkest days, isn't it? So, yeah, get amongst it, get, get out there and always have that. It's, it's like that, um, what's that? The, the use Apple as a, as a example where Apple doesn't really have to sell anything. Because we all know why Apple is so good, because they just show how good they are. They don't explain how good they are. They're yeah, we just... buy into the culture, don't we? Yeah. So I think if you like that, you know, understand why you're doing what you want, believe that you have value, then people will gravitate to it, won't they? Yeah, I'd, I always think of it as a way of, of belonging. And I think, you know, you, you you just find people who you work with and you just feel like you belong. And Apple's the same thing, isn't it? It's like you belong to that brand. Some people don't. Some people just can't connect with it. Mm-hmm. Some people just use it and just like, this is where I belong. I belong to have an iPhone or an iPad and all these things. You just feel like you belong somewhere. Yeah. And that's what never... takes exploration. Yeah. Nobody's ever begged you to buy an iPhone, have they? It's, no? like, it's just one of them things. And I think, Oh, they, obviously they're the pinnacle of it, but 
if you're able to do that, if you're able to sort of, I don't need to explain how good I am. I'm going to show you why I do this or why I think I'm going to be able to help you. And people started to buy into that. People started to watch him. He's keen. He's passionate about this. I mean, but, uh, yeah. I'm not going to explain what I do. I'm not going to show you how I'm going to do it. I'm going to tell you why I am what I am. So it's, yeah, people that's buy it, into that. That's it. People buy why. And it's what I say to people all the time. People buy why you do it. They don't give yeah. a crap that you've got an eight-week program that costs them whatever it costs. What they care about is why you do it. Like, I do this because of this reason. And then you get passionate by it. And people are like, wow, I want to work with this guy or this lady or... I don't think anyone's ever asked me to see my qualifications. We've got them One on the wall. Asked me. Yeah, we've got them on the walls, but like that's because that's a that's a standard. We we'll have to. But as a PT, nobody ever asked if I was an actual PT. I wore a little badge that said DW, and that was it. Like nobody cared. Like the, what's it the same? Nobody cares what you know. They just want to know that you care type thing. It's, uh, the thing they, they really, really don't care. I remember when I very first opened my gym. There was one guy came in. Um, he says, uh, he walked in, all of a sudden he was done, he was all set up and he says, what qualifications you got? And I says, well, I've got like a degree and I've got my personal training. He went, awesome, I'll sign up. And he was the only person in my whole life who's ever asked us for any qualifications. And to this day, I still don't know why he asked us. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't like he was coming as a coach, he was coming to join my gym. It yeah. Just... Yeah, I remember when we were first, when we were um, going through all the sort of, the standards of like club stuff, I mean, as a gym, we don't necessarily have to have the stuff up on the wall. But as sports clubs, we'll have to have stuff on the walls just to show um, it's like an IOSS standard. So when we first did that, I think you had the odd person that sort of had a little had a little look at it, and but it just gets walked past most of the time. You just think, oh. because people care about the result that you can get them, and I think that's the biggest thing is, and that's what people care. People don't care what you've got; they care that you care about them, and you can get them a result. Mm, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I've got one more question for you, Steve, and this is what I ask everybody on the podcast. Um, I'm always intrigued by people's answers with this. So it's interesting that you said before about creating opportunity, and that's, I think that's a really big part of you know, your beliefs. So this podcast is very much about that, about creating opportunity, freedom, and growth for people. But what does freedom mean to you? I've only just started experiencing it. Yeah. <laughs> Nah, I think the saying, you know, love what you do and you'll never work a day in your life. It's it's massively true. Um, you know, my granddad said it's slightly different to us. So um, my granddad kind of helped a little bit with getting this off the ground before he passed away. Um, and he used to say, find your passion and you'll, always, you'll forever be formidable. And that, it resonates with me that, you know, like, I'll always be good at what I do as long as I'm passionate about it. Mm-hmm. And I think um, freedom comes with that. You know, I'm not tied into, I don't want to answer it to anyone. You know, it's, it's you know, I'm, a, I'm accountable to my members, but I've got freedom in the sense that I enjoy this. So I'm not ever forced to do it. You know, it's, I come in every day, raise the shutter, and it's been short time, it's go time, let's go. So um, freedom to me is just being able to do something that I repeatedly love. Um, I don't know how to explain it. Um, like I say, I, I feel like I'm always going to be good at it as long as I'm in love with it. Um, and that's quite a, that's a massive feeling about fe- feeling a bit like being free. It's, a, it's quite a sense of entitlement. You know, I don't have to go and sit at a desk 
bus 10 hours a day and you know hate myself and live for the weekend and all that sort of jazz I can kind of freedom to be who you want to be exactly yeah I get to express myself and you know show these guys what I've done and what I'm passionate about and then people run with it and put their own spins on it and do it so it's a uh, I don't know I feel quite free I feel like I could walk away from it at any time if I really want to do I don't feel tied down by anything mm-hmm. um, you know it's um, I don't really know how to answer that it's a tough one we'll have to think about that one it's awesome but the thing is you, you've explained it well because that's what it means to you at this particular time the thing is freedom means different things for different people and it'll change and it does mm-hmm. change if people progress in life to find something else maybe that they don't feel as free with so they'll work on that like it could be emotional freedom could be time freedom could be financial mm-hmm. creative freedom like for me one of the biggest freedoms I've found was creative freedom was mm-hmm. the fact that I can do the thing I want to do and be creative with it. I've never had that before because I was tied into a mm-hmm. job that I hated. And I actually, by breaking that, I found some creative freedom. And that was yeah. game-changing for me. But mm-hmm. you know, that changes as it goes. I still want that, and I still want other things as well. But, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's crackers, isn't it? Yeah, I suppose, yeah, it will, it will change. Like, you know, eventually, eventually I'm going to have a family at some point, and I'm probably going to want to be free from the gym. And then in turn be free from the kids and come back to the gym <laughs> it's one of, I was going to say you think you've got no time now when you have kids yeah, you really have no time it's correct it's, uh, <laughs> so yeah I, I don't know I don't feel like um, yeah I feel like I'm at a point in my life where I'm just in a, in the mix loving it still riding the momentum just you know like I was saying before Covid's kind of relit that momentum yeah. again um, probably was a little bit stale before that you know um, if, I, if I'm honest anyway. so it's uh, yeah but it's rejigged it up, hasn't it? It's given you a chance to, you know, I suppose the biggest word used in COVID, pivot, you know, mm. whether that's a change of mindset or it's a change of the business, it doesn't matter what it is. It gives you a chance to reflect and then go, do you know what? Maybe you just need to do this, engage with that fire again. It's totally changed the dynamics of gyms. I don't know if any other gyms have realized this, but a lot of people are sort of appreciating health a lot more. Um, mm-hmm. And they've generally, like, a lot of people have got more freedom now. I'm working from home so I sort of what you would consider our peak times are totally different now you know the, the morning crew before going to work isn't so busy anymore it's the daytime and the dinner time those who are like working from home and having a bit more flexibility and things that's so it's it's a uh, it's all new at the moment to us considering what we're used to it's, uh, awesome well thank you for for joining us today Steve that was an amazing interview thank you been class really appreciate your insights and your honesty as always um great i'd love to bring you on again sometime uh, but thank you for being here oh just before we go how could anybody that wants to check you out how can they get in touch with you how could they find you probably the easiest way would be uh but again on all social medias facebook instagram unique fitness northeast um you find across all those sort of channels um, and then the clubs are linked via that as well. So if you hit the bio, you'll be able to see all the other clubs that will run as well. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I'll add you in links to the show notes. So anybody wants anything, just go on and click the links and, and find you there. But uh, but thank you for being here today. Brilliant, mate. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much. Take care, buddy. Thank you for listening today. If you got some value from this, then please play it forward to someone else so they can continue to improve their life, expand their awareness, and use these tools to help them grow. So make sure you copy and paste the link and share with a friend who you think would find it very interesting. If this is your first time here, 
please hit the subscribe button right now on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you're listening from and leave us a rating or review because every time we get a rating or review, it helps us improve the quality of the show. But more importantly, it helps us spread our message, impact more lives and help more people. And that's what I'm all about, impacting more lives so we can grow and be successful in our own right. So thank you for sharing your time with me today. And remember, everything that has happened so far in your life has led you here. You have a mountain of value right beneath your feet that you can use to impact the lives of others. This is your superpower. And as always, don't be afraid to think differently and never give up on your dreams. 